and it's a blessing to share from the book of Romans this week. Yesterday we talked about the power of the gospel, and I've been thinking about that ever since yesterday, how powerful the gospel really is, what it means for the righteousness of God to be revealed, and what it means for the just to live by faith. So that's what we talked about yesterday. Today we're going to speak about the faith of Abraham. Uh, before we do that, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to study from the book of Romans again. And please bless us and guide us today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we looked at Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 yesterday, one of the key concepts that was mentioned in that verse is that the power of God unto salvation, which is the gospel, is for everyone who believes. And what we are going to look at today is, what does it mean to believe? Because in the book of James it says the devils believe and tremble, but that doesn't save them. So just because you believe that Jesus is God, does not necessarily mean that you will be saved. There's a certain kind of quality to the belief that we have that saves us. And we're going to look at that today. What we know is we need to have that kind of belief to be saved. Because the, the gospel is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, whether you are a Jew or a Greek or a Gentile. And yet, when you go past Romans 1, 16 and 17, the last half of Romans 1 shows how wicked the Gentiles are. Chapter 2 shows that the Jews who know the law are also wicked because they break the law. And then you get to chapter 3, and by the end of the chapter, we see that all the world is guilty before God and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, when you get to the beginning of Romans chapter 3, we're just going to look at a couple of points and then get on to the faith of Abraham in Romans 4. When you get to the beginning of Romans chapter 3, the Jews in Rome who are reading this letter from Paul are thinking, wow, I thought we were better off than the Gentiles. What's going on here? And Paul does give them a message in verse 1. He says, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. As God's people today, when we read the book of Romans, it becomes very clear that we are no better than the people out in the world if we are not following God. We can know all the truths of Scripture and yet not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet, there is an advantage to having the oracles of God committed to us. There is an advantage to knowing what the Bible says because the Bible gives us the way of salvation. And of all people who have a knowledge of Scripture, we have no excuse for not following God. We have no excuse. And so we have all the advantages that God could give, give to us through the knowledge of Scripture. 
Continuing on in verse 3 of Romans 3, Paul says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And in verse 4 says, God forbid. Now this is an interesting verse in verse 4. It says, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that you might be justified in your sayings and might overcome when you are judged. In a nutshell, and we could spend a lot of time on this verse, in a nutshell, what God says is true. Yes. Amen. And it doesn't matter what man says. Man can say, well, I think this or I think that. But men are liars. Men are capable of lying. But the Bible says in Hebrews 6 that it's impossible for God to lie. It also says that in Titus 1. So if God says something, He is speaking the truth. Now, in the context of the book of Romans, what is it that God is speaking that is true? If you go on down to the end of Romans chapter 3 and verse 26, here Paul says, To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He, God, might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Here is what God is saying that is true. When God says, this person is just because they believe in me, he's not telling a lie. Now, in verse 4 of Romans 3, what we see is that there is coming a time when God will be justified in his sayings and he will overcome when he is judged. Now, the word for justified in Romans 3 verse 4 also means vindicated. So in other words, God is putting his name on the line and will be judged on the basis of him saying, this person is a just person living by faith. God doesn't lie. So if he says someone is a just person living by faith, that is a true saying. And God is putting his name on the line in the judgment by saying so. That's what Romans 3 verse 4 is saying. So in verse 3 of Romans 3, even if some don't believe, that doesn't change the faith of God because God will have people who do believe. And he will be just to justify them. And yet you, you look at that and you say, okay, all of sin to come short of the glory of God. None of us are righteous. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God in and of our own strength. And yet what we saw yesterday is that the word just means innocent, righteous, or just. And if you are just living by faith, you have the experience of justification by faith, which means that God says you are innocent. Now, what we saw yesterday is that Jesus is described as being just Several times in the New Testament, we looked at those passages when Pilate said to, Pilate's wife said to Pilate, have nothing to do with this just man. And how Peter and Stephen in their sermons said that you killed the holy and just one. And it's the same word. The word just, which describes Jesus as innocent, just, or righteous, is used to describe God's people who live by faith in Romans chapter 1. And then God says... 
by putting his name on the line, yes, these people are just living by faith because they believe. Now, when we get to this point, we have to wonder, how is it possible when we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God that God could say that we are just? And the, the answer or the illustration that Paul uses comes in Romans chapter 4. And the example is the faith of Abraham. Abraham is the father of the faithful. And as we recall from Romans 1, if we believe, we receive the power of God unto salvation. Notice what Romans chapter 4, verse 3 says. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Okay? So pretty straightforward. Romans chapter 1 says... The gospel is the power of God unto salvation unto all who believe. Here in Romans 4 verse 3, it says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. So Abraham experienced righteousness by faith. Now, when we look at Romans 4 verse 3, we see Abraham believed God. So how simple is that? Abraham believed God. God says you're righteous. That sounds pretty simple. I believe in God. God says, okay, you're righteous. Can you be a righteous sinner? We're going to talk about that. Okay. So the question is, what was Abraham believing that allowed God to say that he was righteous? Do you know where in the Old Testament this story comes from? It's found in Genesis chapter 15. So let's turn to Genesis 15. And Paul is drawing from this story in Romans chapter 4. So Genesis chapter 15, if you remember the story, God had promised to Abraham that he and Sarah would have a child. And in verse 2, Abraham says to God, Lord, you could just use my servant Eliezer. He could be the, the child of promise because Sarah's past childbearing age and I'm past childbearing age. We can't have children, so why don't you just make Eliezer the heir of the promise? And in verse 4, notice what God says. Behold, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham, saying, This shall not be thine heir. Eliezer shall not be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. Now, let's just think about this an old man and an old woman who are past childbearing age. And God's telling them, no, it's not going to be Eliezer. You're going to have your own child from, your, from you and Sarah, from your own bowels, from your own flesh. That's impossible. That is humanly speaking impossible. There is no way that Abraham and Sarah can have a child. And yet God is saying, yes, you can. And notice what happens next because Abraham hears this and he's like a child for my own flesh and Sarah she's way she cannot have children there's no way that's what God does in verse 5 and God brought Abraham forth abroad and said look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them and he said unto him so shall thy seed be now notice what verse 6 says. And he believed in the Lord, 
and he counted it to him for righteousness. Does that sound familiar to Genesis or to Romans 4 3? It's the same verse. What happened in Genesis 15 5 that caused Abraham to believe in God so that God could say, You are righteous? What did God do to Abraham in Genesis 15 5? So he showed him the stars. What does that mean? Okay, so he showed him that his generation would be so great. But when Abraham looked up at the stars, what did that make him think about with respect to God? He's the God of the impossible. But specifically, in the, it, it, yes, in the interest of time, otherwise I would keep doing this. Specifically, when Abraham looked up at the stars, he was reminded that God is the creator of all things. And he recalled that in Genesis 1, Genesis 1 says repeatedly, and God said, and there was. And God said, and there was. And so he looks up at the stars and he's like, how am I going to have a child when we're past childbearing age? And then God says, Abraham, look at the stars. And Abraham says, oh yeah, you are the creator. Your word has creative power. And if you say that even though my old dead body will bear fruit, I don't see how, I believe that you will make it happen because you are the creator. And God looked at Abraham's faith and said, you understand saving faith. You understand that I can take the old body of death and make a new life out of it. And what we have here is a spiritual illustration. The spiritual illustration is that Abraham and Sarah, their bodies were dead. They could not make new life. The only way was through the creative power of God's Word. But Abraham believed in the creative power of God's Word, and so then God said, because you have that kind of faith, you are a righteous man. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 4 to see how Paul develops this concept. And I have about five minutes. Hopefully I can wrap it up in five minutes. Romans chapter 4 verse 3 says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness what we see from that is Abraham believed in the creative power of God and God said okay you are righteous now when you come to the end of Genesis I mean sorry Romans 4 in verses 21 and 22 it says being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now you understand that to be counted righteous or to have righteousness imputed to you is the same thing. It's justification by faith. It's to be declared righteous. And what we're seeing then is that at the end of Romans, we have a more complete explanation for what it means for Abraham to have believed. And what happens is, we see this more complete explanation beginning in verse 17. So let's look at this. Starting in Romans 4:17, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations, 
before him whom he believed. So there's that word believed. So Abraham believed. He believed even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. See what Paul is saying? Abraham believes in God who calls things which are not even as if they really are. Now, if you study the faith of Abraham, for example, in Hebrews 11, remember the story of Isaac and how he was going to offer him up? Paul makes it very clear in Hebrews 11 that Abraham believed that God would raise Isaac up from the dead. The amazing thing is, is there had never been a resurrection. But that's the kind of faith Abraham had in God, that he believed in God who calleth things that are not even as if they are right now. Continuing on, verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And you know, God says some pretty unbelievable things to us in Scripture. We saw yesterday in Romans chapter 1, he says, the just shall live by faith. To be just is to be like Christ. And we say, I have never seen a person in this life who is like Jesus. Give me one example. And yet the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And Abraham could have said, God, you might be the creator, but nobody has ever had a child past childbearing age, so don't tell me that. But he had faith, and God said, okay, you're righteous. He, against hope, believed in hope. Now notice what verse 19 says. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was about 90. Now notice this. In the story of Abraham, in order for a new birth experience to take place, in order for fruit to be born, Abraham's faith not only had to overcome his own impossibility, he had to overcome Sarah's impossibility as well. And yet his faith was so powerful that not only did God give fruit through Abraham's life, but Abraham's faith bore fruit in Sarah as well, and she developed saving faith. Read Hebrews 11, which gives us a practical illustration. If we are living righteous lives by faith, our faith should bear fruit in other people's lives. There's something wrong with our faith if our faith isn't so powerful that it causes other people to believe in the saving power of God as well. And that's what we're seeing here. Continuing on in verse 20, He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith giving glory to God. There's the first angel's message. Strong in faith giving glory to God. He believed in God in such a powerful way. He believed that God could take a life that was physically dead and bring new life out of it. And that gave glory to God. And God's last day people will believe that God can take our lives, which have been dead in trespasses and sins, and give us a new life of faith. And that's... Righteousness by faith. Now notice what verse 21 says. Abraham was being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Notice, God declared Abraham to be righteous because Abraham was righteous. 
Remember what we said in Romans 3, God does not lie. So if He says you are righteous, if He says you are just, if He says you are justified, it's because you really are justified. It's because you really are righteous. It's because you really have a new birth experience. God does not say you are righteous while you keep sinning because that would make God a liar. And God does not lie. So to answer your question, there are not righteous sinners. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but God can change us so that we don't continue to live. Sure, we are sinners because of our past, but God has changed us to be like Him. Continuing on. Now, this is where I'm going to wrap up. We, we read this story... And we say, okay, Jesus was just. The just shall live by faith. Jesus was just. Okay, Abraham was just, but that was Abraham. He's the father of the faithful. I mean, yeah, I mean, God was able to do an incredible miracle for him. I mean, he gave Abraham and Sarah a child when he was 100 and she was 90. And physically speaking, that's humanly impossible. And yeah, I realize that God is the creator and he has creative power and he worked a miracle for Abraham, but I mean, what about me? Notice what verses 23 through 25 said. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. Abraham's experience is not a pie-in-the-sky experience that was only for him and a few people down through the ages of time. This was not just for Abraham. Notice what it says in verse 24. This is for us also, to whom righteousness shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Notice, righteousness by faith is not just for Abraham. It's to all who believe, including us, if we believe. And what is it that we need to believe? Abraham believed that God is creator. And if we believe in God's creative power, we will have the same thing. But what does he say here? He says, if we believe on him, which is the Father, that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now, why does he use this illustration? Well, the answer is found in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Here is what God wants us to believe today. We look at our life, we look at our lives, we see lives that are dead in trespasses and sins. Whether we are a Jew or a Gentile, we realize we've come short of the glory of God. And we say, how is it possible that I can get out of this endless cycle of sinning? Why is it that I keep falling into sin all the time? And what God is saying through the book of Romans, you see the faith of Abraham? Humanly speaking, he could not have a new birth. You see your life, humanly speaking, you cannot have a new birth. It's like Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is saying, how can a man be born when he is old? And yet, what Scripture is saying, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, if you believe in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the power of God, the creative 
resurrecting power of God will raise you up to walk in a new life of faith so that just as death has no more dominion over Christ, he dies no more, sin will have no more dominion over us and we will sin no more. And you may say that is no, there is no way in the world. I have not seen a person who has victory over sin and yet the Bible says it. And if we believe in the creative power of God's Word, who is all-powerful, that is the experience of faith that we can have today. How many of you want to have that experience? How many of you want to give your lives fully to Christ and allow Him to raise you up to live a new life of faith? Amen. You know, wouldn't it be amazing to have the experience of being dead to sin, and we're going to talk about this tomorrow, being dead to sin, where when you're dead, if a dead person is kicked or attacked or anything else, they don't respond. And you realize that's what Jesus did when he went through his trial at the end of his life? He was spat upon, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was ridiculed, and he didn't fight back. And do you realize that that's the experience that God's people need to have? And we can have that experience if we exercise faith the way Abraham, the father of the faithful, exercised faith. And we can be raised up to live a new life of faith. We're going to talk about that tomorrow in Romans chapter 6. So let's continue to pray for God's work in our lives. And as we continue to go through the book of Romans, let's pray that we will have the faith of Abraham that we will be strong in faith, giving glory to God, so that we will rightly represent, as we talked about yesterday, the gospel is supposed to be a witness to the world. It's not just a theory that's presented. It is a demonstration. And when it's demonstrated to the world as a witness, not just as a theory, then the end will come. And that's what the book of Romans is all about, and that's what God is looking for. So I think in the interest of time, why don't we just have a closing prayer, and then we will... um, continue on with our day. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the story of the faith of Abraham. Thank you that he believed in the creative power of your word to do something that was humanly impossible. Thank you so much that this was not just written for him, but that it's written for us also if we have the same kind of faith. And Lord, there may be some of us here today who are struggling in our faith experience We see the promises of God and yet we haven't seen them in our own lives. And perhaps there's things in our lives that we're holding on to that are preventing your power from working fully. I pray that we would surrender our lives to you completely so that you can come in and transform us and work through us in a way so that we will have an experience that will show your life and your righteousness to the world around us. Be with us here at Community Hospital. May we as the workers here have a message and an experience to share with the people here. May the patients who come here, the people who pass through here say that and see the love of Jesus, the power of Christ, the righteousness of Christ in a special way. Be with us now throughout the rest of this day. Thank you for being with us this morning. And bring us back the rest of this week to learn more. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.